Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Recording this on a Tuesday night after the Washington Mystics blew out the LA Sparks 81 to 52. Candace Parker made her debut, but the sky is falling. Everything's over for the Sparks. And to discuss that, I've got Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, I guess this this uh, is it safe to say this was not what the Sparks were expecting. I mean, they didn't lose by 32 like they did in the playoffs last year. So you know, progress. That that, that was yeah that was like I couldn't escape how eerie that was like this team that blew them out of the water last year after they had this ridiculous travel week mm-hmm. going coast to coast and NECA had mono and all this stuff and then it's exciting to have Candace back but it's also like man like these are two teams like I really want to see it full strength play each other yeah I mean uh, I guess it would have been nice to have Elena but I, I don't think this was really like a full strength sort of situation I think it was Washington knew exactly what they wanted to do and the Sparks didn't Yeah, and you could tell that that precision was immediately visible on the mystic side of the ball and for los angeles they just weren't quite sure where the cuts were coming from weren't quite sure where to throw the passes like doubles were coming in there were no outlets it was it was very out of sync yeah so just to, to kind of set the table the sparks did start candace with neka ogumake and shanae ogumake so going off of what it had had been happening previously, that was in replacing Sydney Weiss in the starting lineup. Elena Beard did not play, still with that left leg. And for the Mystics, Ariel Atkins and Stratory Walker Kimbrough combined for 39 points. They were 8 of 13 from 3. And the Sparks shot 3 of 19 from 3. And the Mystics got out to a 20 to 3 lead. And it just it just continued from there. But I mean, in a sense, I think like part of like part of this was ugly because they had 26 turnovers and 14 of them were in the first 15 minutes of the game. Yeah, the the Mystics were really active getting up on defense. I mean, they they sent those doubles at Candace whenever she was at the elbow. They like it seemed like they were triple teaming Neca most of the time that she got the ball, and they are very hard to stop in transition. I mean, the Sparks weren't exactly like bringing it on transition defense, but the the Mystics were converting every single opportunity they have. I mean, like it's not even like they took care of the ball that well themselves. You know, they had 18 turnovers. It's just that same lack of cohesiveness you saw in that Sparks half-court offense was also there in the transition offense. Yeah, and, and the, the matchups now that the Sparks are at least close – you know, Beard isn't back yet, but with Candace back, the, the if if they keep rolling with these with three bigs starting, and and I'd, I'd figure there's a good chance they do it because Maria Vadiva will come back at some point too. Okay. But I think the matchups game to game are just going to be so fun because in this game you had Natasha Cloud guarding Candace Parker, and you had Candace Parker guarding Ariel Atkins. You know, that was like the base what they wanted to get to, and so much of this was in transition and where the Mystics killed them. But that's just going to be so fun to watch because in theory just the LA LA side of it and I'm sure this is something they're excited to explore is in theory against pretty much everyone you're going to always have a small on a big and that's always something that you're probably going to be able to pick at exactly like I mean I, I talked to Tasha after the game and she was really pumped about you know I'm the best perimeter defender on this team I wanted to take that challenge of guarding Candace Parker and like this is the kind of 
interesting matchup. I feel like Candace would probably dominate on a more regular basis. Like, she was getting the ball on the elbow, like, in good position. It's just... It felt like a, a rehash of the season opener. Like, this was a new system they were trying to implement. Even after playing seven games under a Fisher system, like, bringing Candace in and having another big instead of a guard, like, that's just an entirely new way of playing. And I think... Uh, I think the Sparks played Candace at the three like a few years back, back in 2014, but it's it's not something that they've gone back to frequently at all. And it's just going to take some getting used to, you know, like where she is on the floor, how she can attack from that spot, given the spacing that they have. And I think it's, I think it's something that they'll come around to. It's just, it's going to take a lot more time than I originally thought. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't write that down specifically for this show, although it's, I think it's going to be make for an interesting comparison once we see this a little bit longer. But when the Sparks did that before, it was NECA, and then it was Jantel Lavender was mm-hmm. that third player some of that time. And people like say all you want about Jantel Lavender, like the Sparks probably more or less just like had to dump that contract, and it was guaranteed, and it made things really tough on them, and all that stuff. But like Jantel could stand there and catch and shoot, and people cared if she was open. And Chanae, like, if, if that's what, if you're just, like, if you're just, like, mirroring what she did, like, they can't do that. Because, like, Chanae's just never been that kind of player. Maybe she'll be good at it, and maybe she'll prove to be it. But then there's also stuff that Chanae doesn't get to do if she's only doing that. And that's, it, that's going to be interesting to see that unfold. Because when they, in the first half of the game, and I can't even say, like, in the competitive portion of the game, because it wasn't <laughs> even then, but in the first half... Yeah, when I I was like, all right, at some point, like they're gonna go to Candace in the post, and she'll probably kill her. And two of the two of the times she got it in the first half, like the double a double was already there. Like once it was there on the catch, the other time it was there before she caught the ball. And 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 part of this, I think, is just like, and she's coming off of some nice games, but people like the Mystics weren't gonna guard Ruff and Pratt at all. They were not uh-huh. paying any attention to her. And this is gonna be the same thing when Beard comes back. And I think that's one of the real problems here is if you want to play mismatch, you you just can't, you know, you have, you have, first of all, you have NECA who's just like, we're still waiting to see if she can become more of a spot up threat. She's been pretty good so far, but then you have Chanae who doesn't really do that very much. And then if you have somebody that teams aren't going to guard, it's it's going to be so tough just to like, to even get the ball in, like as, as we saw a couple of times. Yeah. The Sparks had some surprising difficulty just throwing entry passes, like, uh, I guess the, you know the Mystics knew what were, was coming, so they were hands were very active in the passing lanes. Uh, I, I thought that was a lot more prevalent when Kalani Brown was in the game too. But yeah, I mean, I guess Neca says that you know she's been shooting threes overseas for a long time, and that's something that she's bringing here, and that's definitely something that she's shown that she can do. But it's it's not the first option, right? It's not what you think of when Neca steps on the floor, and I. She doesn't command the defensive attention the way you'd want her to, and it's still not, like, what she wants to do on offense. She's so much more comfortable in the paint, you know, banging up against the other centers, and it's it's a weird situation. I mean, I, I don't see how you don't start three of your most talented players, you know, with Candace and Neca and Shanae, but, like, there has to be a little more creativity in terms of where they get the ball and how they can you know, generate more spacing, but just to take it back to Tierra Ruff and Pratt, like, so this was her first game against the Mystics after playing her entire career with them, right. and it almost felt mean how hard they were attacking her on defense, <laughs> like, they knew exactly what her weaknesses were, and they were just exploiting her, 
mercilessly. Like that first quarter was about as bad as I've seen her play in a Sparks uniform. Yeah, well, and that and like that, in a way, like it's almost kind of like like Mike Tebow said, like what like one of their problems in the finals last year, and the part that they can't say was that Deladon wasn't healthy, you know, because they don't want to use that as an excuse, and that was the big one. But the other thing too was just they couldn't put five scoring threats on the floor, and Ruffin Pratt was one of them, where like Seattle didn't guard her, and like the, and that matters, and and so LA will probably run into this same problem, and it's. You know, it's it's one thing. It's like with you know, if you're gonna throw it out to some of these more limited shooters, and I'll I'll include Neca like on on the opposite side of that as someone that's more credible. But like the the more limited players, if you're just gonna throw it to them out of a double, that's kind of like a zero sum game. You know, like if if the ball lands to them, like they're probably gonna have to shoot it. Like no one's rushing to close them out. Like you're probably not gonna get a great advantage out of that again. Like I think. I think they have to like find they have to find ways to get the ball to Neca more. She, I mean, she just didn't really touch the ball a lot because like uh-huh. we saw one of the, like we saw a drive from her. This one was from an elbow, but she can do this from the three point line too. Is because she plays with so much force. She can do kind of like the you know like the Quinn Snyder Utah Jazz guys how they like start their drives early. You know, like they're sprinting as they catch the ball. Uh-huh. Like I think Neca can catch people off guard a ton doing stuff like that and that's like that's somebody that they have to find the ball more because with those other players it's just like all right like you're, you're open you have to shoot it and that can be kind of deflating i think yeah i am um, it's funny you bring that up i was just thinking of a play like i forget when it happened like raquana williams hit her and it seemed like neko was driving even before the ball came to her and there was one on the corner too where i think it was chelsea who sent her the pass but yeah that's uh, Neca has been so good this season. I, I feel like I, we even talked about it enough just because, like, Chelsea is so flashy and, like, you just expect Neca to be good, right? But, like, her game is so diverse, like, the things that she can do, uh, whether wherever she starts on the floor, she has a way of getting to the basket or getting to a spot that works for her. And the, the minus 28 from her was so surprising to me because I still feel like she's doing good things on the court. Um, it's just she was getting obliterated like there were just so many bodies being thrown at her every time she got the ball and Fisher has to do a better job of giving her more space to work with yeah and and a, a big part of the the minus stuff was they just couldn't they were just getting they were just getting lit up with some threes and and Brady Klopfer had he tweeted out a, a clip where he was talking to NECA and she kind of mentioned the transition aspect of this and I think that's the other thing that's going to be really interesting to watch because they did have some miscommunications and some blown coverages in the half court but in transition uh-huh. the, this team is going to be so interesting because to a degree like Candice Nekachene and then you know Kalani and Vadiva whatever amount they're on the floor too like in a uh-huh. way like they're all just going to have to get used to like and just kind of say like alright like we're not going to get this perfect a lot of the time we're just gonna literally just have to guard someone and truly look at it as just like finding a body. Like they won't, you probably won't be able to get to your base matchup, especially as a big, and uh-huh. and that can be trouble for a team like Washington that can really flare like four people or even five sometimes out to the three point line, and that just totally will throw you out of whack if you're just not ready for that. Yeah, it seemed like they were doing a little more switching in the half court in the first half too, which is uh, not something I'm accustomed to seeing from the Sparks. And maybe it was because, like, they're not comfortable with it or sometimes, I guess, switching, like, takes you out of the matchup a little bit, like, because he's just sort of 
you know, give off your defensive matchup to the next person, but uh, it it was not as tight as it needs to be, that's for sure. Yeah, and in fairness to, like, Ruff and Pratt and, and to some of the more limited players, like, you can see the idea of why they're on the court, right? Because mm-hmm. Chelsea Gray can switch on a lot of people. She's really strong. Ruff and Pratt can switch a lot. Elena Beard doesn't need, like, she's just scheme-proof, you know, when she's on even, like, Tarasi. Like, she, you just you just like book it like she's going to get over it and everything and like you don't have to worry about that so like there is a you can like not to like just totally wail on those players like you can see the idea of why that might work and again like what's we don't need to keep hitting on the disclaimers like there is there is stuff worth pointing out here and i think i think the thing with washington was i was interested to watch them interact with what la was doing early on because I think one of Washington's strengths is their switching and then there's how they scram switch too to like get out of bad uh-huh. matchups quickly. Right. Um, and and that was interesting because you're gonna see like okay who like who might like hold up against Candace or Chine or NECA. But really like the I mean to me like the start of the game ended up being Latoya Sanders and again like it like the game was probably in hand but like the way she just like started the second hop second half, like block, block, steal. And it's just like she's just she's just always there. Yeah, I mean, I, it'd be hard to just pick one star from Washington. Like I thought, Atkins was so impressive in the first half. Just every time there was a defensive blown coverage, she was there knocking down that three. And the fact that Cloud was able to like stand up to Parker was really important. And I mean, like I didn't even think this was a very good game for Tolliver, but they just have so many weapons to attack you with that like. That offense is, when it gets going, it is scary to watch. <laughs> yeah, and Shatori Walker Kimbrough off the bench, like she's been the name that everyone brings up, and like every team like has a player where they do this, like yeah, this is their year, but like Walker Kimbrough is like one of the players that's like actually doing that, like kind of uh-huh. following through a little bit, and uh, she was not very kind to fellow 2017 draftee Sydney Weiss tonight. <laughs> she was not. Um... I was actually pretty impressed with Sydney. Uh, this is like the first time that she's had to come off the bench this season, and there wasn't really any drop in her effort level. Like she came in, and there was like instantly a little more energy on the court and a little more spacing. Granted, because that's that's what Weiss does, and uh, I thought she was really like stronger at getting to the basket. I mean, like her her handle isn't as tight as you'd want for a perimeter player. Like uh, she gets she gets the ball taken away from her a little too often on the at the three-point line, but, uh, yeah, on, on defense, there was just, there was no state in front of, uh, Walker Kimbrough or Powers or Atkins or really those matchups were not working in her favor. Yeah. And, and like the joke aside, like even in the second half when it's like, it easily probably could have been treated as garbage time by those players. Like, I think you still saw the stuff where Weiss is like starting to look like a real player because she, like when she gets it, at the arc, like the release is quick, like it's going up right away, which is just so, exactly. which is so important. And then, but and then, like she is like trying to occasionally attack, and like that, you have to do that, and at least like you have to show you can do something because if you're just a three point shooting specialist, it's just like it's just way too hard to make it. And you know, there's there's still a little bit more good there, but that that you mentioned the handle, like what what do you make of? It's we've seen it a couple of times this season now. Alexis Jones getting a DNP CD. Yeah, I think the last time we talked after the Minnesota game, she also had one of those. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty surprising to me. Um, I guess, like, just thinking about the rotation balance, right? Like, so Sydney had been in the starting lineup. So 
if she isn't with the reserves, then like that's the spot that Jones would technically occupy. But Fisher was very committed to having two bigs on the floor at all times. So even in that backup unit, like he had one of the Agumakes with Kalani, and so that leaves you know Mabry, Williams, and Sidney Weiss to fill out those five. And uh, I think he just likes Weiss more than Jones at this point. Um, like you hear the way he talks about Sydney at practice and. I mean, a lot of people have joked that their games kind of mirror one another, like Sydney's a lefty, she's a shooter, she's like this gritty guard, you know, that maybe isn't a superstar, but she fills her role very well. Um, and you you know what kind of effort you're going to get from Weiss consistently, whereas Jones, uh, I think her inconsistency is making it harder for Fisher to find minutes for her because, like, there are some times when you know, she comes off pick and roll and, like, the pass is just a second too late and that leads to a turnover, but then there's other times where, like, she's playing next to Chelsea Gray and she slots in so perfectly next to her and comfortably knocks down shots, but, like, that that variance about what kind of outcome you're going to get from Alexis Jones, I think, is why she has found herself, you know, getting two DNPs so early in the season. Yeah, and, and yeah, and she did have a couple. I don't remember if it was the Phoenix game or the the New York game. She had a couple pretty rough turnovers, and and the whole idea of her over some of those players is that she'd be able to do stuff with the ball, but if she just can't take care of it, which which their second unit also did a bad job of. Like the second quarter, they came out in like the first two minutes and it was just turnover, 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 uh-huh. right out of the gate. But and and like if Raquana Williams is going to play with that group, like she can bring it up pretty reliably i'd say against pressure and she'll Uh probably just like she'll probably just like try to take a three in their face if they try to pressure her but (laughs) but you know like weiss and mabry we saw that like they're a little more limited if someone's going to pressure up and i that's a little bit of a concern and obviously we'll see and you know maybe the idea too is just you know if if candace parker or chelsea gray is always on the court too like you're kind of covered there and and maybe that things get start to get a little dim for jones and you know it's 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 tough where that was like that's a trade where like you sent out a starter and if you got back a player who just might you know you might already like be turning the page on. Yeah, I um I do think that part of the rationale for trading Odyssey Sims wasn't just for basketball reasons like that that relationship had just soured in LA right. for some reason. I'm I'm not entirely sure why but like that's definitely part of the reason that she's in Minnesota and not in Los Angeles. But yeah, like I was going to say that I think a way around that the limited ball handling is just staggering Candace and Chelsea Livermore. I mean, it seems like most of their minutes were pretty aligned today. And I don't know if that's a function of just getting Candace back to speed or if that's how Derek Fisher plans on using them. But Agler always had one of them on the court at all times. So, and they I mean, seem to work pretty well for Los Angeles. Uh, and without Alexis Jones, they don't really have a point guard in the second unit. And Ricardo Williams tends to hijack the offense for her own individual scoring. Uh, so maybe that's something to consider going forward. I mean, it's, it's such a small sample size with Candace Parker back, but it's definitely something that I would look to see more of. Yeah, and, and Kalani Brown, I like, in the first half, I thought she, like, she looked pretty good, and that was not... It was, it was a real positive takeaway, not just, like, they're getting blown out, let's try to make something look good, like... When she, in that first half, when she was posting up Latoya Sanders, it was like, yeah, like, Latoya has no chance. Like, this is, this like, this is exactly what the idea of Kalani Brown was, was that she's just going to put people under the rim, 
and and then then the nice thing too, I th- I thought they got to a really good combination where you have Candace and Chelsea out there, and then two of your shooters, and then whether that's Kalani or one of the Agumikes, and you can really play some high low and actually have like some space to work with, and we saw them get a high low. I think that's something that hopefully that they can that they can get to, especially like against some bench u- units. But then the flip side was unfortunately that was that Kalani Brown did not work to establish the same post position in the second half and it that was and stretches like that like those are important i think like those are like you have to put a lot of weight in those for a player whose minutes like might entirely go away by the time maria vadiva gets back yeah exactly and i think um honestly i don't think kalani's been done any favors by the way the rotation has shaked out because like she's always pretty much playing alongside chenea gumake or most of her minutes are alongside chenea gumake and I know Chanae and Neca are about the same size, but Chanae functions so much more as a center, whereas Neca, you know, plays power forward. And just having those two players, Chanae and Kalani, whose skill sets are so paint-bound, it it really compromises what both of them can do individually. And I, I haven't liked that pairing since the Las Vegas game, but it keeps coming back. And I would like to see more of Candace alongside Kalani but that would require a little more staggering than Fisher has done so far. Yeah, and and just a little bit more like on the post-up stuff, like that first time out in the third quarter, they came out, they, it was like pretty clear, like, all right, we're going to get Candace in the post. And uh-huh. again, like this is just like, like you, there's, you're, you're, you just like don't, I don't think you even have like one favorable option to like arrange that starting lineup on the chessboard to like get Candace in the post. Because, like, one of them, they end up with Chanae, like, at the wing, at the three-point line, and then Neca in a corner. Like, the ball's going to get funneled to Chanae. And Neca ended up getting a three on one of them because they didn't get to Neca in time. But then, and then you're, like, you're asking Ruffin Pratt to, like, throw it in, and nobody's guarding her, so that's just, like, an instant double. Like, it's just, like, it's just going to be so tough if this is what they really want to try to do. Yeah, and I mean, I I do think it's, it's a little early to you know, immediately write it off because, yeah, you know, it's only like 25 minutes of sample size, but nothing really looked promising about that setup. I mean, if you're going to keep Candace, Neca, and Sinead together, I think that you have to find some more shooting in that slot that Ruffin Pratt's playing, like, maybe keep Weiss out there, you know, the minutes with Mabry always look a little bit cleaner just because she's not afraid to shoot, um, but... Yeah, and, and and to t- and to, well and to tie it all together to a bigger point, yeah. I think it's just it's gonna be like it, it's. I think with that group, I think the the bigger point is that it's just it seems it's gonna be really tough to find any kind of flow where mm-hmm. you don't kind of just have to grind it to a halt. Like okay, this is where we have the mismatch. Let's go get it. And I think I think that's where that stuff can get accentuated when like you kind of have to be deliberate. And you don't have as much spacing, because how do they? Because I think the question is, how do they do that while also still maintaining some kind of flow, where you can have Candace and Chelsea like actually like play some beautiful basketball, where they're like feeding cutters and like just like flowing right into like two player actions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because you'd starting you were starting to see some of that flow over the last few games for the Sparks. I mean, like even against the Liberty, they were just fantastic on offense. Chelsea was doing so many beautiful things. Uh, I mean, they ended up losing because of the defense. But 
like they were starting to figure out what it looks like to play under this new system, this you know more reading, reacting, a little more freedom, and you'd think Candace Parker would only augment all of those capabilities because of her ability as a playmaker, and it was more disappointing than anything to not be able to see so many of those beautiful sequences. Yeah, and, and so going off of what you just said there, like I think a good place to wrap it up is just kind of what to hear from you. Like, what are you? What's something you're watching for now in the very near term to to get a little bit better, or just maybe something new that we'll see from from this team? So, I don't think that uh, Fisher is going to move away from this starting lineup for within the near future because. I mean, you're just you're not going to bench Candice Reneca, and uh, he. <laughs> I just don't see him benching Chanae either, even though I think that the too big alignment probably makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, coming into this matchup, I thought like, oh, Candice on Elena Deladon, like that's that's the matchup everybody wants to see. Uh, but you know, Candice was forced to the three and onto the perimeter. But that's a story for another day. But I'm just interested to see if like they can figure out a way to generate more spacing. Um, maybe uh, stagger Weiss and Mabry a little bit more because playing them together sort of diminishes their shooting guard capabilities because they're forced into being more lead ball handlers. I mean, it's it's so hard to overreact to just one game, just especially because it's against the Mystics, who I think highlight so many of the flaws that the Sparks have just intrinsically. Uh, it's just a really bad matchup. But next game's against Phoenix, and I, I don't I don't think it gets much easier. Yeah, I, the the as far as the lineup goes, like I I made it pretty pretty clear early on. Like I think they need to get a shooter in there or just bring Cheney off the bench. Like it because it's just sitting there. We know that Gray and Beard or TRP, just uh-huh. consider those interchangeable. A shooter, Canis and Neca, we know that that works. We've seen that for, we've seen that. And the last time, the last two seasons, or I guess the last three, in which that group was healthy, they played at the pace of a top two, top three seed. And so if if they're not gonna go, if if we're gonna go really far down this road, it's just you're making a really dangerous bet because if you you had something that worked and you can you can add your own twists and you can introduce new stuff but if you don't get back to that i just i think that would make me nervous but on the bright side with Chanae, like i think it is going to get a lot better because i think she you know i think i think like some of the stuff that like i you would want to see kalani brown doing like Chanae, i think Chanae is going to figure all that stuff out like she's going to play so well with candace like she'll She'll present herself where she needs to be. She'll be perfect, just like ducking in at the right time, cutting at the right time, and playing all those angles. Because the one, the one great thing about Chanae is she's just like, if she has a little bit of an advantage or has you leaning, she's just like a master class finishing and getting to something uh-huh. off the glass. Yeah, and I think um, she's done a really good job of it, attacking the offensive glass too. You know, because uh, Sparks been missing a lot of bunnies, uh, so. That, that rebounding was one thing that I was really hoping that Chanae would bring to this team because L.A. for the past few seasons hasn't been very good at cleaning the glass, and that's one of Chanae's 
very best strengths, and that's something that you've seen come to light over the past few games. Uh, she's been a lot more aggressive on the boards, and that's something that this team desperately needs. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how that goes. As you mentioned, they, they're playing the Mercury, and it came out today by a Jeff Metcalf that Diana Trossi might play. So it, it's... It's it's exciting all around that Candace Parker is back, and now that Tarasi might be back, this is kind of you know, to at risk of oversimplifying it, like this is kind of when the season starts. Like now that we have these these names coming back, like this is when it really gets fun, and we can start to learn more about these teams. But Sabrina, remind people where they can find your writing this season. So I'm covering the Sparks for the Athletic and for High Post Hoops. And you can find all my stuff on Twitter at SabrinaJM. All right, and we look forward to that. And hopefully, Tarasi plays. That'll make for a fun one. Sabrina, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Thanks, Ben. All right, and thank you, everybody, once again for listening to another episode. Took a little bit longer to get back on track this week. Weren't able to to come back right away as expected over the weekend and, and right away on Monday. But hoping to pull in some more guests to discuss the rest of this week's games please remember to subscribe give us a rating write us a review let us know what you like what you don't like what we can improve guests and topics you might want explored in the future and go read all the WNBA coverage over at high post hoops including jen hatfield who had a very important and helpful piece this time of year detailing all the players that will be absent participating in Eurobasket. obviously that'll be a big Big topic around the league as teams kind of deal with or try to fill those minutes of some important players around the league that will be missing. My latest 12 things column is up this week, bouncing around one topic for each team in the WNBA, and I've got a Aces notebook up as well this morning, which you can read on their win comeback win in Minnesota over the Lynx. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time.